What is going on, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Fun V Tailgate podcast, presented by Thunderblogsports.com, a part of the Bullpen Card podcast feed. It is myself and Maddie D breaking down the semifinals of the college football playoff, Michigan TCU, Ohio State, Georgia. We break down key matchups in those games. Then we dive into week 17 of the NFL. We go through the entire slate. We talk about those games, some pretty quickly, some in depth. It was a lot of fun to record. Cannot wait to hear what you all think. As always, though, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Search the bullpen cart wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Twitter, ThunderBLG, Thunderblog Sports on Instagram. But enjoy the episode, enjoy the football, and have a happy new year. And here we go. Welcome to this week's episode of the Fun V Tailgate Podcast, presented by ThunderBlogSports.com, a part of the Bullpen Card Podcast feed. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Joining me, the man, the myth, the legend himself, fighting through illness, Mr. Matty D. Matt Stefano. how are you? On the cusp of a great weekend. Oh, yeah. I hope so. I hope so, at least. So, I mean, not that there haven't been bowl games going on, but I, I mean, this is this is the college football playoff. This is the one. Maybe the last, maybe the last year of its of its um, what's it called? So, I thought it was. Uh, I thought we got one more. One more is it? One more? Okay, maybe it's yeah, one more. I don't. It's know. One more. I, I'm in the throngs of. I'm in the throngs of a, of, of a quarantine quarantining while COVID. I get a free pass. If I don't. Yeah, know. no, no, I know, I know. I wasn't uh, wasn't trying to no, trying I'm to shame you. I just know the listeners are gonna be like, you don't know ball be upset but yeah it is it is interesting i was thinking about that today of like it's the college football playoff obviously we'll get exactly 10 years of it which is kind of crazy just like we got exactly i think it was exactly 15 years maybe exactly 14 years of the bcs exactly doesn't sound right if you don't think about it but or if you think about it but um it does make sense because you got seven years of four bcs bowls and then Seven years of five of them, so that's why exactly 14 sounds right. But this being year number nine, and what I was thinking about was the fact the first year we had the whole TCU debate, and that, you know, in year nine we have TCU in there. And I just thought, like, you know, TCU kind of came out of nowhere. This probably won't happen. But what if Baylor sneaks their way in in the final year of the four teams next year? Come out of nowhere. Just really bookend this. Well, we do. Well, this is going to be a lot of fun. Obviously, we, we talked about it when the, the bracket first got revealed. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU. It'd be even more poetic. Not great for us as Michigan fans, but it'd be almost poetic of Ohio State, TCU in a, in a Final Four. But we have Michigan versus TCU first, Matt. So let's start there. I don't think it's hyperbole to say this is this should be the better game by a sizable margin, and am I correct in thinking that? Well, I mean, I want to say that because obviously I don't. Obviously, I have, I have, I have a comparison for the second game that I'm going to save until we okay. get there. Yeah, I, I do think Georgia is, is just immensely more talented. So, you know, my normal answer is yes, but it's one game and it's 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 football, right? And it's yeah. one of the cool things about one game, one, one you know, one and done situations is if Georgia comes out flat at all. You know, and, uh, you know, we know Ohio State has the talent. You got a, a, probably a first-round quarterback, a first-round tackle uh, in the future, not next year, but a first – maybe, well, one's not going to play, but a first-round wide receiver in a couple of years. They, they do have a lot of talent. I'm just not sure anybody has the talent outside of, really, I think, Georgia. I mean, I'm sorry, Alabama, maybe Tennessee to stay with Georgia on the football field. Um, and so, you know, you saw what Georgia did to Tennessee. Mean, let me rephrase that. Alabama, who's not in the college football playoff, but I think talent-wise is probably the only only one that matched close with Georgia this year in terms of top end, top to bottom talent, um, and they're not in the playoff because they they blew it. So um, I think this is the more exciting game, um, and I think people need to watch because they may have seen Michigan, but they haven't seen TCU. And while TCU has had a lot of close games, they're really exciting. Uh, they have some really exciting players on the field to to tune into. So. 
don't let the slant, the TCU slander fool you. This is an exciting big play football team that should be fun to watch. Well, that, that's it, right? Is Max Duggan, Heisman finalist, really exciting to watch, right? It as many questions as there are with Blake Corum being hurt and everything on the Michigan side of the offense, but I think what it really comes down to is what is he going to look like against a non-Big 12 defense? And there were some robust defenses in the Big 12, don't get me wrong, but I feel like it really comes down to him and what he can do with Johnson, what he can do with Miller, and like how they can really get a good flow going because Michigan's, they're, they're a smash-mouth football team, so it really is two different ideologies coming together. Yeah, no, I think it's a, a huge, a huge kind of, you know, um, uh, contrast to your point. Yeah, you know, I mean, a couple things. One, you would expect the Michigan to try to wear down TCU, right, and just run, 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 run. Um, you know, pound away physically, offense, uh, defensively, make it uncomfortable, right? Um, I think those are some good, uh, those are some good points. They're going to try to win this game at the line of scrimmage which they should have the ability to do on both sides of the ball. And that's going to be key, which has been their key all year. And that's going to be a really major key for them in this one. Yeah. I think the other thing too, that's interesting is there've been some games where Michigan's had a little close calls, the Illinois game right before Ohio state being the most recent, but even the Rutgers game, you look at it, you can see looking at Yahoo right now, the last five games, Rutgers was winning that game at halftime and Michigan turned it on in the second half. They did that against Ohio state and I think that's something, too, to look into for this game because TCU, to your point, being a different ideology but just being more run and gun, if they get up earlier, if they have a lead at halftime, it shouldn't be over. But you, it almost feels like if they can get up enough to just hold off a second-half push from Michigan, then maybe that's their key to victory is just come out swinging as hard as they can, as fast as they can in the first quarter. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean one of the big differences I think is that those close games that Michigan played, they 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 didn't have the the, the firepower on the other side of the field that TCU can bring. And I think people may not, may not understand some of the players. I mean, you mentioned obviously Max Dugan, but there's some other big time studs for them. I think that the the one guy to mention is Kendry Kendry Miller, the running back, um, 1300 yards, 17 touchdowns. He's his draft stock is up, so two and three. Powerful with runaway speed. We've seen like Michigan's seen that, but he's he's a, a good talent that you know they're gonna have to slow down. And the big one is Quentin Johnson. Uh, yep. Johnson, he's the wide receiver. I mean, this is a big play guy. He's getting first round buzz. Big, strong, fast. Should be able to make big plays down the field. I mean, he's gonna be a guy that we're gonna have. But Michigan's gonna have. He's saying we try to stop doing that. It's <laughs> um, gonna have to deal with um, you know, and that's where some key matchups. DJ Turner is the is the senior for Michigan. Um, who people are just avoiding. Um, he's six foot. He's going to go up against the six three Johnston, and that's going to be a huge matchup for this team to see how they kind of handle him too. Um, it really is super important on the other side of the ball. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And in, in two football lifers in terms of coaching, the uh, Blaze, give me give me his name. Uh, no, not Blaze. Um, what's his face? Dykes. Um, what's his Sorry, first name? They're they're TCO's coach, um, who comes from. The Sunny Dykes. Sunny Dykes, thank you. Who comes from the air raid offense? He comes from um, the who? Just, Jesus, who just died? Um, Mike Leach. Mike Leach. Mike thank Leach. you. The Mike Leach coaching tree versus Harbaugh. It's just a really great like story from the two there. Sorry, I'm also feeling sick. This is our <laughs> flu slash COVID we were together. game. It might be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It. Uh, this is. Yeah. This is a real. This real test. This is a, a good. Good one for the people. But um, yeah, just two lifers in, in football, and it's it's fun in that way of seeing those two guys go against each other. You know, obviously Kirby Smart, he's great. I was about to, I was about to try to say something about Ryan Day, but he was he's re- literally fighting to prove that he, he did hit the triple, and he wasn't just bo- born on third base. But um, we're, we'll save that for a few minutes. We'll save that one. But uh, but yeah, it, that's another aspect to this as well. I feel like you'll hear a little bit about that. You'll hear more about Mike Leach. Like th- it's just. It kind of sucks this is the 4 p.m. game. This should be the 8 o'clock. Yeah, but Georgia has to it's a bigger draw, right? Maybe I guess thought, so. Everyone's going to want to see that, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, and, and I think the other big key in this game yeah, is that you talk about passing, and we think of Michigan as this powerful football team, but what really, what really got them in the position to win the game against Ohio State is Ohio State said, 
beat us through the air, and then JJ McCarthy did, and that's yeah. a huge deal. I mean, he is a he has showed a lot of promise for a young quarterback, and this is a potential stepping stone for him coming into this game. He needs to play well. I mean, if they want to have a chance at all to win the whole thing, obviously he's got to play great. But to win this game, he's going to have to show up like he did for Ohio State. And he did show up in the big moment, which was really nice to see. And I'm assuming we're going to continue to, to see that. He's going to have to find those big plays again. He's got some good weapons, right? You know, Ronnie Bell is his kind of go-to guy, so we'll mm-hmm. probably see a lot there from, from him. He's going to be matched up, we think, against – uh, this is a this is a tough name here. Travis Hodges Tomlinson. Yes. A little five nine corner. Glad you he said the name. Ne- I would have fucked that up. Nep- the nephew of Ladanian Tomlinson, I believe. I knew that. Um, it's nephew. Yeah. yeah. He is. He is a. He is a road runner. I mean, this guy's all energy all the time. He's going to be matched up on Bell a lot. It's going to make that that matchup very difficult. And this is a guy who might go in the. He's going to be a high draft pick, not a first rounder, but he's going to be a kind of guy that you want. You know. Um, on your football team at the next level. So that's going to be a big matchup. But McCarthy has to step up for, for Michigan. Um, he's going to have to make a couple big throws. Not a ton of throws, but a couple big throws that are going to be really important. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. I mean, there, there are names all over the place here. It's kind of fun seeing that. The LT connection is awesome. Um, but, yeah, it, it's this is going to be a fun game. And it's, again, I – hate to beat the dead horse, but you're, you're right in that Georgia will draw a lot of people, SEC fans, all that. But this game, I don't know. I think it's going to be close. I know it's a seven and a half point spread. Michigan maybe pulls away late to cover that. The, the over under 58 and a half, which is hysterical to see a big 10 team with that total, but it's against a big 12 opponent. You can't really count anything out there. I almost wanted to try to, talk myself into thinking this could be like that Texas game where TCU's defense stepped up big. That's probably their key to victory is to try to slow down Michigan enough and really have a huge defensive day there. Another big Tomlinson game, you know, they're, you know, that, that entire game, that was one of the, one of the question marks of the year, right? When we were talking about the first couple polls of TCU could do it. That seems like their best route to victory, right? If they try to go this into a shootout, does it go their way? Sorry, if, if TCU. TCU, goes through, yeah. I'm sorry, I use pronouns too much. Sorry, Greg. No, uh, no, 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 no. You're fine. I, I mean, my concern if it's if you're Michigan and you're in a shootout, that means you're going to be putting the ball in. You would assume you're putting the ball in McCarthy's hands more than you'd like to, which sure. kind of pulls you out of your game plan. It also means that the Michigan Michigan back seven and uh, back the defensive backfield is struggling a little bit, um, giving up big plays, and that, the, that that's like to me is worst case scenario. For Michigan is is a is a lot of big plays, right? They've got to find a way to limit TCU's ability on those 50-50 balls. They're going to have to get pressure with four because TCU's going to play a lot of four receiver sets. They're going to spread you out, and you're going to have to try to beat them with with four guys up front. And they've got guys Mike Morris or some good players up there, but I don't know. I mean, to me, if TCU's in a shootout, that means somebody's having a big day offensively for them, and and that could be that could spell trouble. Um, Whereas if it's like a close game and Michigan's just slowly pulverizing that defense and keeping the offense off the field, I don't know, that might lean a little bit in Michigan's favor. Um, but I, I think to your point, it really doesn't matter in the first half. As long as Michigan, if Michigan's losing, as long as they're within striking distance, Correct. My, the assumption is the big guys up front are, are just going to wear them down. Yeah. Um, I guess I get concerned yeah. in my, my Texas game point for TCU is in for on the Michigan fan side of me is like, if TCU is having that kind of a game and does force those big kind of plays, that they if they're able to contain Michigan, they're able to contain Donovan Edwards from not setting something up, and McCarthy is lackluster, that I don't know that that feels like a route to victory for him. But I see your point of that if it is low scoring, all they got to do is just have one big play right from McCarthy from Edwards, and the they there is Michigan, um, but. I don't know this this game is I think the over seems like a good a good safe bet. Uh, I probably won't place it just cuz you know hasn't been a great year. But um <laughs> I don't know. I'm very excited for this game. Any last thoughts before we move on to uh the other game? Yeah, I mean, TCU has been heartbreak. I mean, heart not heartbreak, excuse me. A heart attack kids all year. Michigan kind of hasn't, right? We talk about the Illinois game, but that wasn't necessarily a slug it wasn't necessarily a a high-powered offensive slugfest right sure so the question becomes I, I do think there's a chance mccarthy has the most pressure of any quarterback of the four 
Bennett, his legacy is kind of already there with the title. Stroud's already, in my opinion, looking ahead to the NFL, right? And then Dugan has you know, come out of nowhere, right, and made a big name for himself. They all Absolutely. went to, and they all went to what's it called? McCarthy, maybe, maybe maybe you consider him playing with house money. Maybe you consider this. This is like, I, I think Michigan actually might be under the most pressure out of anybody in the playoff because they were here last year and they got thumped by Georgia and they want an opportunity to say, hey, we are, we're, we're supposed it's to redemption. be here. Our un, our, yeah, and our undefeated record isn't just because we play in a weaker, in a weaker Big Ten and with a, a weak non-conference schedule, right? So I think there's a lot of pressure on Hallball. Not, not – not you know not his job right not even mccarthy's job but he made the switch to mccarthy over mcnamara it seems like the right move so there's a lot of pressure here uh for tcu they kind of played with house money all year with all those close wins you know so but i i think this is a huge game for michigan i do think the pressure is on them um and i don't think if they come out taking tcu lightly because oh tcu shouldn't be in the top four all that talk all year be making a huge mistake because this TCU offense will 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 throw punch after punch and McCarthy needs to be ready for it. So a lot of pressure on Michigan in this game. Absolutely, should, yeah. I think both is both teams are the chip on their shoulder team, right? Ohio State, Georgia, the Blue Bloods that have obviously been there before. To your point though, with Michigan and kind of proving they belong there, the this strength of schedule stuff aside, no other team in the Big Ten has ever won a college football playoff game. Every other team, and Ohio State included, has looked terrible. They've gotten completely obliterated. So if Michigan can pull that off and show, hey, you know, we're not just a one-trick pony conference. We didn't just get in here because we beat our rival, blah, blah, blah. You know, it does do a lot for them. So that, that's a really good point by you. Yeah. So the other game. We talked about it. Georgia, Ohio State. Matt, the comparison I was going to make earlier this game feels a lot like the Tennessee-Georgia game from what feels like ages ago, although it was probably a month and a half ago. <laughs> High-ranked quarterbacking prospect. but Both should have been Heisman finalists. I'll say that about, about Tennessee. I know he got hurt, and that's probably why he wasn't. But good quarterbacks, high-flying offenses, defenses that have gotten the job done. Am I wrong in thinking that? In thinking in thinking that this is like the Georgia Tennessee game in the same way that oh, Georgia's oh, gonna oh, come in I'm sorry. and shut I'm down sorry. this high powered offense with a great quarterback and all this stuff. Like it feels like the same beats that we walked in that Georgia Tennessee week. Yeah, here's here's what I think. I, first of all, I, I mean I agree because that, that I mean that Georgia Tennessee was in full strength for that game, right? Obviously, it was. Uh, was it at Georgia? I think it was, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, it was at Georgia. Which is, and this which is, is in Atlanta, Georgia. which is basically Georgia. Right, right. I think Ohio State hasn't even come close to facing a defense like this one. In fact, mostly because there aren't a lot of defenses like this one <laughs> in all of college football maybe Alabama and maybe Clemson are the only two defenses with this much talent on the field um, at one time. So I, I think seeing the struggles that Ohio state has had offensively, you saw it against Michigan. They're not a, a, as finely tuned of a machine against quality defenses as I think people thought, I think not having um, um, Jackson Smith, the Jagbo really hurts them. Um, even though Her Marvin Harrison jr. Has, sh has shown up, and is looking like a 2024 first round prospect. Um, you know, I, I think the offensive line has some holes and I, I don't think they run the ball consistently. They are about to run into a juggernaut with as much first round talent as they had last year, this Georgia team. So um, I think you're, I think it's a great comparison. I think they're going to struggle at times. They're going to probably have a couple pop plays. But this, a lot of this game is going to be on C.J. Stroud to show up. It's a huge showcase game for him and his draft stock, too, I think. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, not to compare it to another Ohio State team that came into a postseason and played an SEC team, but it almost feels like Troy Smith, right, in that 2006 yeah. season where he was so good and everything, and then he comes in against Florida. They even got the early lead, too, and then he just completely fell flat. So it feels like yeah. if he doesn't do – well that he all of a sudden Troy Smith ended up being what a sixth round pick and he was the Heisman winner yeah like this yep. kind of feels like that kind of a situation for him yeah 
it's it's um it's impressive. I mean, the guy, the first guy to look out for is Jalen Carter, who we, you you talk about the fact that Georgia had what three defensive linemen, including the number one overall pick, go in the first round last last year, and people think Jalen Carter's the better prospect um, this year. I mean, he's he's a monster. Um, he's gonna he he is just he was the one that just destroyed Hendon Hooker in the end zone. Um, he's a monster. So if he shows up and he's very gifted, but he's got a little up and down disappears sometimes. But if he shows up, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. And then, uh, James, uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson behind him in the middle, they're just going to shut down the run on the inside. And they're going to try to make you go to the outside on them and beat them. And they have so much talent there too. So it's, it's Keelan, uh, Keely Ringo, uh, Javon Bullard. They're just, they're just loaded, dude. It's like, it's like hard to look at times. Um, Ringo is Ringo six two. He's got legit four three speed. Um, he can ma- him and Harrison is going to be such an incredible matchup. These are two potential first rounders when uh, Harrison's a year out. I mean, this is going to be seeing him match up again. Another another absolute showcase test here is going to be that matchup that I'm really excited to watch um, just on the outside, and and that's going to dictate if if Ohio State has a chance um, is if they can block Carter. And if they can get Harrison open against Ringo and Bullard's also good. I mean, they've got four defensive linemen who probably all will end up for, sorry, four defensive backs will all probably end up being in the first round of the draft. Yeah. And I think the other thing kind of just on a, you know, a higher scale level is Harrison. And I know they use Ibuka. Am I pronouncing his name right? I know they like to use him a lot, but yes. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. I know you're talking about. Yep. Yep. But they, you know, he's yeah, a thousand yeah. yard receiver, but that's, Kind of it. They have other receivers that have that have receptions. And they have a number of yards. Georgia used a lot of receivers, and they kind of spread the ball around a ton on their offense. So that that's kind of something to keep an eye out on of what Stenson Bennett can do that way. Of just to your point, going back to talking about you know keeping defenses on the field and stuff like that, like you were with the Michigan TCU game. If Georgia's able to do that, establishing that that game and just kind of attacking all different angles on the Ohio State defense, it really could get out of hand pretty quickly. Ohio State kind of has, you know, the one and a half dimensions, if you will. And Georgia's defense, if they they can kind of just stall that out and have their defensive line get in there, this really might not be that exciting a game. I guess it's probably better, now that that we're thinking about it, that it is the 8 o'clock game because maybe you can flip over to, uh, you know, whatever your New Year's Eve program is that you want to watch. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No. Um, yeah. I, so to your point, like, I just think this is, there's so much talent um, coming out, coming out here that they're just going to struggle to contain. Um, and we haven't even got to the other side of the ball, by the way, we focused on the Georgia defense against the, um, uh, the Ohio state offense. Yeah. And so the question becomes that you put the other side of the field and you've got this Ohio state defense, which by the way, I think at halftime, what Michigan had 11 rushes for 10 yards or maybe 10 for 11. And that obviously changed quickly. So this is a totally different beast that they're about to face. It's two of the best tight ends in the country. And I feel like you don't talk ever about tight ends in college, right? Like it doesn't come up. I don't think people even know where Rob Gronkowski went to college. I know the Right. Or where Travis Kelsey went to college. Right. Yes. Now I do too. Right, I know where Zach Ertz went. I know where all these big guys went. I know where George Kittle went, but I think most casual George fans a good don't know. Question. Yes, he is a, a Iowa Hawkeye. As yep. many good tight ends have come yes. from Iowa, by the way. Um, so yes, and then I mean, so uh, you said it. Zach Ertz is a Stanford Cardinal, right? Travis Kelsey, go for it. A uh, Cincinnati Bobcat, just like his brother. Uh, yep, just like his brother and Rob Gronkowski. He probably had a great time. Jordan. Arizona Wildcat. Arizona Wildcat, yeah. So I say all that because um, – so they've got two guys here. That you have you have to watch these guys play play football. The number one is Brock Bowers. I mean, he is a monster. He is um, super dynamic. Uh, he can do everything. 726 yards, six touchdowns. So he is, he is all over the field. You'll see him just gashing um, – and they he's six four two thirty. And they can stick Rock Bowers in the backfield. That's the other thing they yeah, can do. Yeah. Well, there's a joke that he's their best receiver, a, court, a wide receiver, tight end, and court, and run, running back. Yeah. And that's how good he is. <laughs> and then, by the way, 
The next guy is is this Darnell Washington, who's six seven, two hundred and seventy pounds. So this is essentially, I made the comment. This is basically Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. Obviously, can't say that name too much, but Aaron Hernandez. This these two are just these two are just monsters, and they can put them on the field. They run their they run sixty percent of their plays with those two guys in the field. That is that is immensely bigger than basically other than Michigan is probably the only other team that plays two tight ends that must. And these two guys are going to be first, like there's first round potential with both these guys. So Ohio state is in for a, a hell of a a task defensively to try to sustain, contain kind of an offense. That's, that's as old school as Michigan's right. Stenson Bennett is big time player, but they don't have, they don't have George Pickens. They're not as explosive on the outside. They're just, up the gut, they're just nearly unstoppable, and they're going to just – Benson is going to m- make those ex- just college Benson. quarterback plays. Stenson Bennett, sorry. <laughs> did I combine his name? Yeah, you did. He's just going to – Bennett is just going to make college quarterback kind of plays, right, with some weird scrambles where he doesn't look like he's that fast, but he actually is, you know, some good throws. Um, and, and this – I mean, this is just going to be a tough task for an Ohio State defense that just got pushed around by – what you could argue is actually a lesser offense, maybe maybe slightly more explosive in Michigan, but certainly doesn't have the the the, the tight end power. Although I, that's kind of a that's kind of a and that's not a fair assessment because there's some good tight ends in Michigan. But anyway, I just these two guys are so cool to me, and I can't wait for people to see watch Brock Bowers play. He's just a he's a he's a bulldog. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean quite literally got the dog in him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but then mentioned it before. I know you you talked about the most pressure might be on Michigan. But you got Kirby Smart wanting and needing to go for the back-to-back, establish a new SEC dynasty, if you will. Then you got Ohio State, who I know two years ago made the national championship game. They stunned Clemson, basically. I know, yeah, Clemson made made the playoffs last year, but they didn't look very good. Kind of ended the Clemson run, you know, two years ago. Ohio State getting there. Ryan Day, though, now with his own class, and he's losing recruits left and right. How is the pressure not on him, or is it? Or Matt? I mean, it would be hard. It would be hard to. Uh, it'd be hard, like after this year, to get to move on, right? Because exactly. they did make the college football playoff. Um, I, I would possibly disagree if I was an Ohio State backer. You've gotten thumped by Michigan two years in a row. You only got into the playoff because USC lost. Sure. It feels like the tides changed in Columbus, Ohio. Well, he's, he's remember we're now, we're now out of the urban Meyer era completely. Right. So any of the love for urban Meyer, right. Which we see a lot of coaches struggle with this. I think, you know, I think Michigan, you know, held on to Jim Harbaugh and it worked out for them. Um, but I mean, that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess he's in the. I guess of all the coaches, he's in the hottest seat of the four of the of the four playoff teams. I mean, that's that's pretty clear. Kirby is he's locked in. Um, Jim is now obviously Harbaugh is locked in, and and Sonny Dykes is you know revived TCU after you know some great a great Gary Patterson era that kind of ended sadly. Um, so he's probably in the biggest hot seat. I don't know. I can't see them moving on unless somebody huge is available. That's one thing I would say. I, I haven't scoured the names enough, but if somebody pops up that's big time, there's I could certain, see. I could see them. Certain former coach. Who are you thinking? Who likes bars in Columbus? He'll fly there on off weeks. Why can't he just move back there? I don't know who we're talking about here. We're talking about Urban Meyer and his Urban Meyer oh, fingering God. of a <laughs> random girl yes. at a bar. Oh, how he got so fired from the Jacksonville Jaguars. But no, oh, um, I, I don't know who they would replace him with because seemingly all the various different names that you keep thinking might get scooped up by certain big names are getting scooped up. So, uh, you know, there aren't really a ton of names out there. Personally, as someone who hates Ohio State, keep him there because he's clearly running the program into the ground. But objectively, he's running the program into the ground. I know that's with a lot of bias, but he is, you know, it's, it, there's a clear difference here. And in the age of kind of circling back to our original point at the start of this, of this segment of, you know, this is the second to last year of four teams 
where in theory, with 12 teams now in it, you don't have the problem that people have talked about for years of, you know, the big three and now the big four of Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, and now Georgia get all the recruits. You're seeing him lose the recruits. And in an era where more teams are going to make it, yeah, sure, maybe they, they get in as a whatever seed and assuming that Harbaugh stays at Michigan, keeps it good. But, you know, who knows if Michigan State actually becomes good again or if Penn State becomes good again or USC going to the Big Ten ends up being their big their big chance to you know do something huge. Like, they need to stay relevant here, and the guy can't hold on to a prospect. Yeah, no, I mean, that, to your point, that does make – I mean, you make a good point. And I think, I think as the playoff expands, more players are going to be willing to not go to the, the biggest schools because you all of a sudden you're going to be playing in more meaningful bowl games that are going to help your status – uh, you know, for your future, right? So all of a sudden you can go to uh, a, a tier two school at a big 10 or, or big 12, wherever, and still have a chance to play in primetime games. So that, I mean, that's, that, that's kind one. of in a way, because but look before, if you wanted to play in the college football playoff, you met, you made it, you go to the big four, one of the big four, your most in, in your three to four year career, you're probably going to play in a playoff, right? Like that's just how it worked. Now that's going to dilute itself. And similar, look, you look at college basketball and where some of these play, these good players are coming from nowadays, you know, it's doable. So, no, you make a good point. Um, and you just made a good point, too, of saying primetime. If Deion Sanders and Ryan Day both walk into your living room, you're picking Deion 100 times out of 100. I mean, that's probably true unless, with unless most you're, coaches. Unless you're a Gator or Hurricane um, kid. Why? Because he went to F- FSU? Yeah, so it's yeah, okay. yeah. No, I'm just. <laughs> but maybe he's chariz- he's yeah. charismatic enough. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but, right. <laughs> but any final thoughts coming out of this? I think we're both on the same page. Georgia, Michigan, both take care of business. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think Georgia more so than Michigan, and, and I think it sets up somewhat. I mean, potentially of a kind of a boring, uh, boring final because um, Georgia's just that good. Yeah, I think Georgia. Yes. George is just that good. Yeah. So, but, uh, but we still see, we, we shall see. And, um, you know, it's going to be good. The game should still be good though. And there's so much good, you know, individual matchups to watch. I, I, I'm excited about both. Obviously there are other bowl games. You know, we have the, the rest of the new year six, but you know, those, those should be exciting. We wanted to talk the playoff and Matt, are we keeping you on for the NFL? Or are we saying goodbye to you for now? Um, I can hang on briefly here. I can do a little bit. I, I can do a little NFL talk if you want to do a little NFL talk. Let's do oh, it. All right. Well, let's move on. Week 17 is here, Matt. But before we do that, we didn't lead off our normal Eagles talk because we weren't sure if we're going to have you for the NFL. So I wanted to get right to the bowl games. How much do we want to talk about this Cowboy loss? I mean... <laughs> Look, it's similar to the it's similar to the Eagles' victory over the Cowboys, right? They we beat them with a backup quarterback. They beat us with a backup quarterback. Um, you know, Minshew might have had some decent statistics, might have made some good throws, but obviously he made some mistakes. And you can argue that hey, the balls he threw to Quez Watkins, maybe maybe Quez didn't run the route properly. Maybe it was a great play of the defender, but there's also a reason Taylor doesn't throw inside slants to Quez Watkins, by the way, right? Sure. So. Um, I think we win with Jalen. I think our defense could have played better, but, but I also think it's tough to just blame the 40 points in the defense and we turned the ball over four times and each time was was not was not deep in their territory, right? We were either in our territory or just over the 50. And so I think our defense was put in a tough spot a couple times. You know, Darius Slay struggled a little bit. That's actually concerning for me. And the injuries in general, right? Lane, at, Lane Johnson out to the playoffs. Um, Vontae Maddox might be done for the season and he was playing so well right before he mm-hmm. got injured. Um, Miles Sanders, his knees on the injury report, right? Um, and Jordan Davis popped out of the game. And, um, you know, obviously the big question is Jalen Hurts, but I'm not super worried. But again, I, I didn't, we, we both circled this game as a potential loss. And I thought we lost well. In fact, if you can lose well, I thought we lost well. We kept coming back. You know, you, you saw the two headed power of um, Smith and Brown. And by the way, Dallas Goddard looked pretty good. He did. So, um, no, I, I'm not, I, my panic level is not high. Um, I, and I, you know, so I'm, we have a, 
our chances of number one overall seed went from 97 to 95%. So I'm not super worried coming out of this game. I still think we are the, the class of the NF- NFC, um, assuming Jalen's healthy. That has to be said, although Gardner showed himself well. Um, good, good enough to me be comfortable with him getting another shot. So, um, yeah, I'm not, not worried yet. Yeah. Panic button's not out. Um, I think to your point, the turnovers definitely caused some, the defense to be a little tired because, you know, obviously when you're on the field that much, that's going to wear you down. You saw that with the commanders game where the Eagles, you know, didn't have the ball a ton. They got tired. That's why they weren't able to, to figure it out. They also had some bad turnovers in that game. Uh, to your point, though, probably Jalen Hurts doesn't make some of those. Th- he doesn't make those throws to Quez Watkins. He also probably is a little more secure with the ball that way. Some of the, the running back fumbles were a little concerning. That's really where, where it comes down with me is just the turnovers. But I think they're, you know, it's still a week out, not even. But you know, th- that's just where I'm at with it. But to your point also with the overall, first overall seed, I should say, um, Eagles win the division with a win or a Cowboys loss tonight, which at this point, you, the listener, knows how that game went. And then they would clinch the first overall seed with a win or losses by the Cowboys, Vikings, and 49ers all together. So that all needs to happen. So they win there, and I feel a lot better with, with Minshew if Jalen Hurts doesn't play this Sunday, just considering it's the Saints. I know their defense is a little frisky, but you know we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, other notes as we move into week 17, uh, sticking in the NFC, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who Tom Brady, just using the old man wizardry that he's been using for the last couple of years to play well into his forties. They now have an opportunity to clinch the NFC South with a win. The giants would clinch a playoff berth with a win or losses by, the Seattle Seahawks, the Detroit uh, Lions. Wow, I went through all four teams there trying to go get to the Lions. And the Green Bay Packers, um, as well as there's some stuff with the Commanders getting in there. But if Seattle, Detroit, Green Bay all lose, that is the way that Washington can also clinch their playoff berth with a win. So all the wild cards in the, in the NFC could be clinched up. Over in the AFC, the Bills can clinch home field advantage with a win and a Chiefs loss. They've already clinched their division. The Cincinnati Bengals need to win. Ravens lose. Bengals get the AFC North. And the Dolphins get into the playoffs with a win and a New York Jets loss. A couple interesting things of note, Matt. Does not matter how either the Jaguars or Titans do this week. Because... Yeah. All that matters is who wins next week's game because of tiebreakers and all that sort of stuff. So that's pretty interesting. Their games effectively don't matter. It's probably why they just shut down Derrick Henry for Thursday night football, which now has a Cowboy line of minus 14. So in terms of the Eagles, they win their, their end. We were talking about this as a kind of a spin zone, if we might know, but a smart move on the Titans. If you know you don't think he's ready to go, you're playing on a short week. You know, rest up some guys because next week's all that sucks for us. By the way, it does suck for the Eagles, but because you know, but it would be it'd be even funnier if the Cowboys lost to him. Just saying that to Josh to Joshua Dobbs and Dontrell Hilliard, yeah, it would. Yeah, (laughs) but that's really all we need to say about Thursday night football. Is Derrick Henry's not playing? Their defense is still not very great, and uh, normally the Cowboys play pretty well against those teams, (laughs) at least in Mm -hmm. 2022. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. No Saturday games this week because of New Year's Eve and the college football playoff, which we already talked about. The big games for college football move to Monday because Sunday is New Year's Day. The slate has some interesting games. Some that you know you're probably not going to see at all in red zone, like the Cardinals and the Falcons. You might see some of Chiefs Broncos just because you think this is a game that Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey just want to put a stamp on. Keep a, a closer hold to that at first overall seed, all that good stuff. The Bears and the Lions, though. Lions kind of need this, or really need this win. Not even kind of, really need this win. But this might be a really fun game to like, keep an eye out for. I know the Eagles play at the same time. But it's it kind of seems like a points bonanza. Both defenses, one's just not good, the other's kind of injured. And offenses that can be frisky. 
Am I wrong in that assessment, Matt? Well, Jared Goff at home is a totally different animal than the Jared Goff you saw get crushed by the Panthers. So I think you'll see an explosive Detroit offense at Ford Field and a very Justin Field-centric dynamic out of him offense um, on his side. So, I mean, a lot of people are circling this one as an upset. It's a six-point line for Detroit. I, I do think Detroit wins this game, but I think it could be very high scoring to your point. Both defenses have struggled, and you know, Chicago caught you know Philadelphia in the in the frigid cold. This is indoors at Ford Field, so um, you know this is going to be a, somewhat of a track meet in a way. And you're right, both defenses have some some major holes in them. Um, oh yeah, the Lions is not good. The Bears have some injuries and also aren't as good as they were. You know, well, Roquan Smith no longer in the middle, right? So, yeah, you're right. Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack has been there for all Uh year, all that. Yeah. So this is not the this is you know not the Bears of old. Even you know and make the '85 Bears look even more godly than they already do. Um, Dolphins Patriots, obviously, incredibly important game. Dolphins need to win. Jets need to lose, as I mentioned, for the Dolphins to clinch a playoff spot. Patriots need to win to stay alive. I don't really know where this game's going to go because Tua's in concussion protocol. Are we even, I would assume with how wild people were getting about it, that I don't even know if he's going to play. The Patriots are kind of yeah, in, I don't know if he is. in, you know, all sorts of array there. This is just a game to kind of keep an eye out on the score, I guess. It, it does not seem entertaining. No, I mean, I, I think it'll be. I mean, if, if two is not playing, it'll certainly be somewhat of a of a dumbed down day, game plan for the Dolphins. Um, you know, they still have weapons, obviously, but it's a very well schemed Patriots defense. Um, to your point, is a must win for the Patriots, but uh, for the Dolphins, almost at this point, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a big game. Um, Teddy Bridgewater has done a fine job when he's been putting his put in the spot to start, but um, this is going to be tough at Gillette. Uh, you know. Weather might be nice, might be raining. You know, it just, it's going to be an interesting game, though. I think it's a really tough one. The Dolphins are definitely on a skid, and I don't know if they're stopping. What's interesting, too, is that, so say the Patriots win, they both move to 8-8. Eight and eight. The Bills need to keep playing well, because, you know, if they even if they win and the Chiefs win this week, like, they have to play their players against the Patriots in Week, in week 18. Dolphins and Jets play each other. Say the Jets lose or the Jets win. You know, there might be some sort of weird, like, we might get the opportunity for an 8-9 and team as a wild card team, which I feel like we haven't seen in yeah, a very ever. long time in the, in the right. NFL. Um, yeah, maybe even ever. But um, yeah, keeping, keeping along with the board, Colts-Giants, I mean, God, the Giants just keep figuring it out, right? And now, obviously, they lost last week on a field goal. But they still they extended that game and, and kind of really pro- further proved what we've been talking about with the, with the Vikings and everything there, and a Colts team that's been frisky but I don't know offensively just can't really get it going, and I don't know it's another game just keep an eye out on the score maybe of Saquon and fantasy for your championship so uh, you know you're not really going to see a ton. Yeah, I mean for the Giants, and they really like this one. Because if they can, if they can, if they can get this one, it's going to really help their playoff chances. Um, yeah, they get in. They clinch a playoff spot with a win. Right, if they win, right. Um, and so, you know, I, I think they really like that, and they can rest the last week if, unless they really want to move around. Um, you know, but it'd be a great week for Saquon to take off, right? Um, as they try to get healthy. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, they should win this game. I think this, this is really comes down to this. It should make you nervous as an Eagles fan, but. That that Brian Dable and that staff have done such a great job with mm-hmm. with with what really is a lack of talent on both sides of the ball to get them this far. Um, it's it's an incredible coaching job those those guys have done. Um, be fine to play them in the in the in the, play, in the playoff. Um, so you, you bring up but, a good a good question though because like depending on what happens with the Vikings and the 49ers, does it even creep into your brain if you're the Giants, you clinch a playoff spot, and you almost want to like try to jockey to the seventh position if the Vikings somehow clinch their spot there? Like obviously, like everybody's playing at similar times, so you can't like do any crazy setups that way. But does that even creep into your brain if you're Brian Dable? I mean, I'd rather face the Vikings than, than the 49ers. Yeah, 
than the 49ers. I mean, that much I have to admit to, right? Yeah. Although, I'm, you know, I'm going to be honest. I'm not trying to jump ahead here, but I, I know the 49ers have a, a great defense and a ton of weapons. I know Brock Purdy's looked okay, but who have they beaten with Brock Purdy? Some pretty bad teams in Tua. Right. So I'm not saying they're not still very dangerous, but to anoint them as the favorites in the NFC, I think is wrong because, again, we haven't seen Brock in a must in a must two minute drill right situation. Um, again, I think they're he's really good. Dropped some dimes though when he's had to. That's true. Where has he dropped his dimes though? Where has he played? In in San Francisco. That's a good point. In San Francisco, you, all of a sudden you're coming to a, a cold lake, right? In, in or you're heading to the, a track meet with the Vikings. You know, I, I'm just just throwing it out there. I'm not saying he's not good. I'm not downing. I'm not trying to put down the 49ers, right? Um, they're they're a good team, but. I mean, he has literally, I mean, he, I guess he won in Seattle, but that was a close one, 21-13. Um, so they've won a bunch in a row. So obviously they're hot, and they, they should win again now that we know Derek Carr isn't playing this week, which is shocking to me. They probably win out, um, you know. Um, but anyway, we'll see what happens. I like the jumping around, though, because that helps us knock out more games. Because a weirdly important game, the Panthers versus the Bucks. Panthers need to win to stay alive. Bucks win, they clinch a playoff spot and could rest their players in week 18 to go under 500, which would be just silly. But yeah, another weird game, another game, the Panthers win at home. They've been an incredibly good home team, just a bad team on the road though. So I can't really imagine this gets exciting. Well, they're playing hard for their coach. Yeah. Steve Wills, which is cool to see. Um, You've got to think Tom Brady is taking everybody by the face mask here and saying, Hey, let's win a game. Right, win a game so we can rest because we got to gear up for what is the most likely a Cowboys matchup, um, which should be a good one. You know, if they can get healthier. Tom Brady's never lost the to the Cowboys. They've got the talent, right? I mean, we know from a talent perspective, it's there. They just haven't been able to put it together. Maybe a week off would go a long way. Um, I, you know, I, I think the Panthers have played well, played a little bit above themselves. I think Sam Darnold has shown that maybe he's not the answer in Carolina, but he might get an, at least a high end backup job somewhere. Um, but they, they don't have the – I don't know if they have the talent, talent you know, to, to make this happen. So it'll be interesting to see. But I do think uh, I do think Tom Brady takes care of business and gets back to the playoffs for what I don't know if it'll be his last time, but one of the last times in his career. Probably. Uh, Browns, Commanders, kind of an important – it's a very important game for the Commanders. Kind of important for the Browns, a team that had aspirations but now just kind of trying to figure out who they are for next year. Anything good out of that one? Well, it's big for, I mean, again, it's big for the Browns out of the Deshaun Watson situation. Is he going to play better? Because really, he's not played well at all. Yeah. For the Commanders, they're going to start Carson Wentz against a pretty good Browns defense um, in a game that they have to have. I, 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 I agree with going back to him because, again, I'm not, I was never on the Taylor Heineke train. But it's a tough matchup um, against a good Browns defense and a Browns offense that we don't really know where it is. So... For a must-win game, I'm sure the Commanders would rather play somebody different. There's a reason it's only a two. It's only a two-point line. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I could see the Browns winning. I could see the Browns winning this game. I think that's part of it, right? Is that Carson Wentz? What we saw out of him before the hand injury wasn't really great, and it was kind of you know distilled the distilled bad play that he had when he was in Philadelphia. The end of the Indy era. It just seems like a weird game. Kind of a stay away for trying to bet it. Over under 42. They're not really expecting a lot at uh, in Ral John, Maryland. Um, Jags, Texans, we can just move on yep. from, right? Yeah, just keep moving. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't mention Eagles, Saints. This, you know, it's the last game of the 1 o'clock slate. We don't know if Jalen Hurts will play or not. He's been a participant in practice. They're seeing what he can do. But I we talked about it a little bit after the Cowboys game. I feel fine with Minshew in. This defense is frisky, but it's not, you know, terrible. Or it's not great. Um, it's also not terrible. But the offense, I don't know. You, you're trying to go get everything going through Alvin Kamara, and we've seen what the Eagles have done to good to good running backs. They're able to contain them, even without Jordan Davis. He's been a huge part of that when they faced Derrick Henry, when they faced Saquon. But I don't know. I just I I'm not worried about this game, which. Always is a bad, always ends up being a bad sign. 
Well, we're finally we're finally back home, right after weeks away. Um, I think this defense wants to bounce back, quote unquote. You know, obviously, um, Chris Olave is a good receiver. Jarvis Landry's is, down there, so they've got. Is Olave still hurt, or is he playing? I thought he was playing. I okay. think he's playing. Okay, double check that. Double. I'll double check that right now. I'm going to double check but, it. You um, keep talking. Yeah. The key is this, right? We're not going up against a super dynamic quarterback here, Andy Dalton. I, I don't. Taysom Hill is dangerous as always, but. We can manage him this defense. The dogs are going to be hungry at home. It's going to be loud. We're going to want to secure this win. Um, you, know, you are right. Their defense is, is, is not horrible, right? You can see that by the statistics. Um, I think we can still get to them. Lattimore's been out of the lineup most of the year, right? Um, so I think we can – I certainly think we'll be able to score enough points at home. Um, I don't know if this will be a blowout. Um, I think a comfortable touchdown victory would be really nice. Um, but – yeah, I'd love to blow him out. By the way, that'd yeah. be great. You know, if it'd be great. Plays things, things change. Yeah, um, he practiced today. He threw non, in, like off to the side individually, but he's throwing. Um, again, I, I personally, I'm would play Minshew. Um, I, I understand that puts some risk for the last week of the season, but you know, I don't know. Again, if we play Hurts, not at the end of the world. Just need to be careful. The Miles Sanders injury is a little bit of a troublesome if he's not good to go. Yeah, because. Uh, we, you need him in the backfield for this game with a couple good Saints, you know, defensive linemen. Um, you really want to make sure you have Minshew ready to go. I Correct. mean, uh, Sanders ready to go to support Minshew. Sanders and Hurts both being out is a huge, huge concern. Yeah, that would be. Um, Olave is looking to return. He's still listed as questionable okay. for this week. He did miss last week. That's why I was. That's why I thought he was still gotcha. hurt. Um, okay, but no, but that's a really good point with Sanders because. To your point, Gainwell does a good job as a receiver out of the backfield. As a north-south rusher, not so great. Boston Scott can can get the job done, but both of them aren't great in pass protection, which is is concerning. Sanders at least gets that job done with with you know chip blocking and and being that last line of defense. So that's a really good point there. Um, keep it moving though. Four o'clock slate. We already covered Niners Raiders, um, a game that that. Feels like should happen more, I think, just because the Raiders used to be in Oakland, so it feels like that. But um, continuing to move, though, Jets-Seahawks, a game that both teams desperately need. Two teams that looked like they were going to dance their ways into the playoffs. Now on the the outside looking in, I think this game comes down to who wants it more. Seattle's only a one-point favorite, and I think that's because the Jets' defense is so good and Seattle's offenses look so bad, but... I don't know the Jets offense the last couple of weeks with the quarterback bonanza of different players has been terrible. Yeah, without Mike White, I don't think the Jets have a shot. Yeah. Um, if he's playing, I think they have a I think they have a fighter's chance. Um but away in Seattle, it's a tough place to play, you know. Um you know, but Gardner, you know, we'll see how he plays against Metcalf. Um I I think it's low scoring. Um but I do think Seattle pulls this one out, especially if Mike, White, if Mike White's not playing. There's no shot. It's surprising the over, the total points for it. It's higher than a good amount of games on the board at 44 and a half. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what we missed there. Yeah, we're missing something, which seems yeah. strange. Game that is higher than it though. Vikings Packers. The Vikings once again a a underdog. They are on the road going to Lambeau Field. Packers now all of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers. R-E-L-A-X. He's brought him back into the playoff picture. <laughs> Matt, we've obviously seen the last couple weeks. We don't need to keep beating the dead horse. The Vikings are who we thought they were. Are the Packers back? Well, I think they're back in the sense of I don't want to play them. Yeah. This is not the Giants or the Commanders. You know, um, you've seen Aaron Rodgers spend a season now with Christian Watson. You've seen him blossom. They have two. They have a really good running back tandem. Although, again, as much as I, I mean, I've got, you know, AJ Dillon's been a decent fantasy running back, but they give the ball, give the ball more to Aaron Jones. You know, they do. The defense is still a little hurt, but there, there's some talent there. I absolutely think the Packers win this game. The Vikings have been, they've won what like eleven, one score games or something like that. It's it's a crazy lucky number. Not saying that doesn't mean they don't deserve the wins, but historically statistically that is way more than they should win one score games yeah if you flip um, the if you flip the one score records in the nfl the vikings are dead last because they're yeah. 11 or no right so 
yeah, no, I, I don't think it's necessarily a, you know, uh, I, I can see the I can see the uh, Packers winning this and, and becoming a very dangerous wild card team that potentially will face off against. Well, they could play the Vikings again, the 49ers. I mean, there's there's some divisional. Those two are probably the teams that are going to play them, and that's that's a scary proposition. Um, you know, I, I think the 49ers probably can overwhelm them a little bit, but again, Aaron Rodgers, you know. Be playing a little better, playing with that magic. I don't know. Playing as an underdog kind of suits him, doesn't it? It's kind of wild to think about. Yeah. And the one crazy thing about this, and this is where how long it's been since last season of I was looking at tiebreakers and all that. So the the Packers beat the Vikings, 49ers beat the Raiders. They now have the same record. 49ers moved to the two seed because they have a better conference record. They didn't play each other, which I was kind of shocked by. Thing like, how, th- how did that not happen? Neither team won their division. And that's because the 49ers were a three seed. I forgot the, I completely forgot the Cardinals were like kind of good last year. Yeah. Completely yep. forgot they that. The, yep. mm-hmm. They were, or there were three seed in their division. They were the sixth seed in the playoffs, but they were the, they were the third team out of the NFC West. I completely yep. forgot that happened. The, and I think it's because the, the Cardinals and Rams played on Monday Night Football. But yeah, so that's the crazy thing is that I think if the Giants win, then they would end up like in the they would basically get the the six seed with only the Commanders being able to take it from them. Um, but the Packers could not take the six seed and then play the Vikings again is what I'm getting after. Um, right. As long as the the oh, Giants okay. win this week because they're a game and a half up on the Packers because of the tie. Gotcha, gotcha. But it is, it's is—it's an intriguing game. It's also kind of funny that they put this at, at the 4 o'clock slot. It's, I think they only really do it for the, the Packers and the Cowboys, of two teams that are in the central time zone and could play at noon, but they put them at 3 because they're America's favorites and all that bullshit. But um, keeping it moving. Uh, Battle of L.A. This isn't exciting, right? There's nothing really to, to write home about. No. Chargers all the way. Yeah, okay. Rams. Rams, Rams I mean, are bad. They've been playing the a The Chargers look a lot way. better. Keenan Allen. Yeah. Keenan Allen looked really good. He should have had a touchdown. Yeah. Don't on, take uh, anything away from that last game that the that the that the uh the Rams played. Denver's a total dumpster fire. I totally agree with that. Um Sunday night football, Steelers, Ravens. These two teams throw the record book out, all that stuff. Um but, I mean, do we really think this – I mean, I shouldn't say that because I literally just said throw the record book out. And I said it kind of jokingly. But the Ravens, they need a statement win, right? Even though this is a rivalry game, division game. This feels this feels like it's a trap line at minus six, but it almost feels safe because it's not six and a half or seven. Well, I mean, well, let's start with here. Everyone has been praising the Cincinnati Bengals, by the way, right? They have a one-game lead in the division. Yeah. Think about that. So this, this – like the Ravens are – are maybe it's because Jack, Lamar Jackson's not playing. But That's exactly similar to the similar to the 49ers, can we talk about their roster construction? Right? I mean, hey, that defense is playing, as we expected, really, really well. And offensively, they have some – they have some – they have some gritty guys, right? I mean, you know, they – the Ravens are – the Bengals can't sleep on this Ravens team, you know, knocking them, knock them out the, the top perch. So anyway, it's a huge rivalry game though. Um, and, and so the Ravens can't, you know, <laughs> can't, you know, double back here and not be paying attention because the Steelers are going to come into town a little bit of a better, better play of late, right? They're seven and eight. They technically have a shot if they win the last two to be 500 again. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'd also be real. The Ravens have played, this is like so. I'm trying to like look. If you look at the Ravens' schedule, it's turned out after a couple big games early on. Like it's turned out really well for them. You, you got the uh, they they lost. They beat the Bengals. They have they got tired, but they haven't beaten a ton of playoff teams, right? Um, the Saints. They beat the Saints. They beat the Panthers. They beat the Broncos. They beat the Steelers. They beat the Falcons. They lost to the Browns and the Jaguars. Like this is a tough game for them. As good as their record might be, I mean, this is a tough game. They need this game, obviously, assuming – anyway, I don't know. I'm, I'm now all over the fence. You got me all over the fence with this game, Jordy. 
I don't know which way to look now. So it's really interesting, what do you like? right? Um, <laughs> I, it's tough because it's a divisional game. The Steelers defense with TJ Watt healthy and he's still playing. Um, they are very good, right? They are a lot better with him in the lineup than they are without him. Mike Tomlin, mm-hmm. as a home dog, is really good. They're a road dog here going against it. I was looking this up to uh, talk some shit as I was writing a, a preview for the uh, league that I'm the commissioner of. The Ravens and the Steelers rarely eclipse 40 points total between the two teams. The only times they have are because Big Ben either went off, one Lamar Jackson game he went off, and one time was an, was needed overtime to hit 40 points. So I, it seems like in how these two teams are built, as you were just talking about, that this shouldn't be a high-scoring game. If it gets higher scoring, it becomes a, you know, George Pickens goes off, he has a big game, maybe Deontay Johnson has a big game, or, you know, someone on the the uh, Ravens rush attack goes off, or maybe they figure out how to get Mark Andrews finally going again. You know, maybe maybe it blows up, but it doesn't feel that way. This feels like a last team that has the ball wins type of game. It seems just because of, you know, the more completeness of the Ravens defense that they should win. And it feels like they need to have a staple win there. Now, what becomes so interesting of this, you mentioned the one game lead. It too does not matter because the Cincinnati Bengals, we mentioned it before, to win the AFC North, they need the Ravens to lose. If the Ravens win, then it all of a sudden becomes the same scenario that we talked about with the AFC South. They play each other next week. So it almost seems like that one one of those games is flexed to Sunday night. Probably Ravens-Bengals because it's just two better teams. They're both in the playoffs. And the other game gets flexed to Saturday night. But we can, you know, that's something to discuss another time. We're not TV experts and all that. Maybe they're both the Saturday games. Who knows? That almost feels cheap. But who knows? Maybe. I, if you put a gun to my head and you had to have me bet one thing on this, I would say the under. And if you had, if I had to bet the spread on principle alone, I would go Steelers plus six, but I expect the Ravens to win this game. Yeah. I mean, I think it it might not matter because the Bills Bengals game, right? I mean, theoretically. Yeah. So we could see, we could see the Bills, the Bengals and the Ravens still playing for, you know, division title next week. That's what I'm Um, saying. Yeah. The, the, with the yeah. whole flexing thing of it almost feels unfair to put that and the AFC, the AFC South championship game, if you will, both on Saturday, give them both not, not rest, but they could easily be Saturday night, Sunday night. Bang, bang. There you go. Yeah. But you bring It'll, it up. Go ahead. Monday night football. Yeah. Bills yeah. and the Bengals. How much do you think Finally. ESPN bribed the NFL to be like, hey, we need a good game at the end of the year. Give us this. Actually, for the our NFL last was clapping their pants when they saw the Bengals scuffle early in the season. I'm sure they were. <laughs> yeah, this is a huge game, dude. This is like, and it's a big game for both teams because the Bills obviously right now sit in that number one seed spot, but the the Bengals and the Chiefs are right there with them. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a massive game for these two teams, um, and I think it's a show me game. We've seen the Bills a lot in big games, win and lose, um, but we've seen them, you know, and we know they have some warts, very Josh Allen dependent. Um, you know, at times, Stephon Diggs has kind of been MIA of late, right? Um, and, you know, and so, you know, it'll be really interesting to see how they kind of hold up against an underrated a Bengals defense. And by the way, I was wrong. I'll be very clear. I, I did not think this defense was that good. They have played decently well most of the season um there are a few games here and there but this has been a good Bengals defense and obviously a dynamic offense led by joe burrow who's quickly quickly establishing himself as a top five quarterback if not a top three quarterback in the nfl um and the bills come in with a really really good defense even with the loss of von miller all over the field um they should harass joe burrow all game and make things not make him uncomfortable but he kind of lives in that uncomfortability it seems uh and on the other side of the ball you know, Josh Allen, it's going to be a, it's going to be haymakers back and forth. So it should be really exciting. I mean, the Bills, the Bengals, and the Chiefs have a, 
the ability of it to be just every year, just a trio of teams going at it. They're playing each other all the time that you're going to love to watch. Exactly. It's a great late season matchup. Yeah. It's really great. And I think you made a, a really astute observation of just the two offenses going against each other. Defenses, the Bengals defense has been a lot better, but can get gashed at times. Although they can step up big in those big moments. That Chiefs game a couple weeks ago was huge for them. And a Bills defense is still a little banged up. You mentioned Von Miller being out. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll see what they can do and, and how this can go. I mean, the the biggest part of Miller being out, and obviously he's a big pass rusher, but the rushing defense, he's a big part of that as well. And, and seeing what Mixon can do and what, what their running game can do to set up a guy like Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, you know, Tyler Boyd, and see how they can, you know, get it going. And it's, it's going to be really fun. And it's just a perfect opportunity to see two teams – that, you know, however many years ago it was, I think it was five, it was the year the Eagles won the Super Bowl, so it was five years ago, where the Bengals beating, I think it was the Ravens in the last week of the season, brought the Bills into the playoffs, and, you know, the Bills sent Cincinnati, all that stuff. Throw that out. Now they hate each other. Now they're battling for the number one seed. <laughs> the crazy thing would be is if hell froze over, I guess if Arrowhead froze over, and the the uh, Broncos upset the Chiefs and the Bengals beat the bills we have a three-way tie for the top seed for the only buy in the in the the conference how crazy is that going into the last week of the season that would be that would be pretty wild and and with some some big games the last week of the season too so huge whereas if the bills beat the Bengals, they're basically locked in unless or no they aren't they actually aren't because of if the bills beat the Bengals, then the ravens are just alive um, to take that three seed, but the AFC North champion would be the three seed is what I was getting after. Uh, assuming the chiefs win, but again, uh, the Broncos are not good. <laughs> so uh, yeah, a couple of things, I think just, just quickly looking ahead, right? The chiefs have a somewhat of a cupcake game on the road against the Raiders last week of the season. The bills host the Patriots. Do you know Patrick Mahomes? Game for both do you know what his, his road record in the AFC West is? Is, is he not lost? He's not lost. He's undefeated. Yeah, I don't think he lost. Yep. On the yep. road in the AFC West. <laughs> yep. Mr. Monster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, the you mentioned it, the Bills play the Patriots, the Dolphins play the Jets in week 18, which both of those games become huge. And then the Bengals play the uh, Ravens, which probably will be a primetime game. That'd be a good one. I mean, there's some, it, it's a good end of the season here. Hopefully it's an uneventful end for us, though. Yeah, you know, hopefully the Eagles get the job done. It, you know, we hope and pray. Just sit the players, let uh, you know, let the Giants have their fun. You know, let them let them end the season on a high note, or maybe they're sitting their players because they're they're set at the the sixth seed, and it's just a game that nobody realized happens. <laughs> That'd be good. Let's yeah. do that. Um, but Matt, this was an awesome show. Thank you for powering through your flu game. We got it. No COVID for me. We found that out in between segments. So that's good. Just a regular old sinus infection, which stinks, but, you know, kind of an, almost an expert at those now. I'm happy to hear that, though. Yeah. But, Maddie, thank you as always. Thank you for listening. Go subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on all the socials. But for Matt Stefano, I am Jordy Cannell. Have a great weekend, a happy new year. Go Michigan and fly, Eagles. Fly!